First Chronicles chapter 16, um, as we talk about worshiping in spirit and truth, First Chronicles uh, chapter 16, starting at verse 23, kind of goes like this. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be held in awe above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. If that's not a declaration of worship, I don't know what is. That gets me fired up. I may have to call the worship team up here and hit it again. Let's go, you know. Jen's like, no, 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 please no. (laughs) Yeah, I want to talk about worship just briefly today. Um, Last week was, you know, kind of a downer message. You know, things are getting crazy. And then today, man, you know. It is what it is, and but one of the things that we do that the world does not do, that the world cannot understand, is our worship of a living God. Other religions of the world, they worship their gods, they do different things. I, I believe there's only one way to salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. And so many other religions of the world, while good-intentioned and, and searching, obviously, searching for the truth, it's through the, the power of God working through Jesus, working through the hearts of people, that we, we start to understand what the, the kingdom of God is all about. There was a, uh, <clears throat> I teach, used to teach world religions at school, and one of the religions of the world is the, uh, the Hindu religion. They have a lot of different gods that they believe in, and I saw a report on the internet, of course you believe everything the internet says, you know, but uh, anyways, there was, a, there was this boy born in India with a tail, it's not like a big old tail, but bushy tail, it was about a, it was just an extension off of his tailbone that protruded out of his, his backside, it was about yay long, had hair on it, now, he couldn't wag it or anything, you know, it just kind of hung there. But uh, at first, people were like, what the heck is that? And then eventually, the people of his village began to worship him. He was the, the reincarnation of their, this monkey god that they believed. And you got people coming from all over the place to come see this kid. As far as I know, he's just a normal kid, he just, except he's got a tail, and he runs around, you want to see my tail? There you go. And people are like, Whoa. You're a god. You can imagine that kid's head swelling up. Yeah, I'm a god. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. 
I think it's within the heart of man to, to want to worship. I think it's just part of who we are as, as a people, wanting to worship. But as the people of God, as the people of the one true God, only believers can truly worship him. The Bible talks about worshiping in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verse 24 Find it here. Okay, so uh, Jesus is going around, and uh, seems like it's one of the moments he's kind of by himself. And uh, John chapter four, verse twenty-four, uh, or excuse me, uh, verse thirty-nine. This is the story of the Samaritan woman. You all have. I've heard of that. Um, whoops, let me go back here. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, Jesus is... Uh, where did I go? Yeah, the woman of Samaria, verse 7. I'm sorry. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I don't think he said, give me a drink. <laughs> He's probably like, you know, can I have a drink? Could you give me some water out of that, that thing there? Okay, and uh, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She saw Jesus, she knew he was a Jew, and she's probably thinking, This guy, he doesn't like me. No, he's talking to me. He's asking me for a drink. Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She's probably looking at him like, living water? What are you talking about? She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? How are you going to get the water out of this well? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us, gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. And of course, like anybody, she's like, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor have to come all the way here to, to draw the water. He said to her, go, call your husband and, and come here. Now Jesus, I think, knew already the, the facts of her life. And the woman answered and said, I, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have correctly said, I, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one with whom you now have is not your husband. This you've said truly. She's probably like, mm, busted. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to, to worship. Now, there was a thing here with worship. The, uh, throughout the Old Testament, a lot of times uh, people talked about how Jerusalem was the, the holy city, the place where people should go to worship God. Now, the Samaritans didn't believe that. They had uh, uh, beliefs that... Uh, uh, this this 
area near the a little town called Shechem. That's where Abraham had built an altar to God there. And it was on this little mountain. Mount Gerizim is the name of it. But it's just outside of Shechem. They said, no, this is where we ought to, to do our worship. Not, not in Jerusalem. Jesus said, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain, Mount um, Gezerim, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. The worship that you do not know, you worship that which you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Spirit, or God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What's Jesus talking about here? Spirit and truth. You, you know, the day is coming when you're all going to figure out that God desires people who worship him in spirit and in truth. Not just showing up at the right place. Not just showing up at Jerusalem or showing up here on this mountain and thinking that's good enough. Okay, People like me, not just showing up at church once in a while. Well, I go to church. I'm worshiping. No, the day is coming where God desires people who worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit here, Jesus is talking about that the human spirit, who we are. I don't think it's a magical, like a ghost. You know, I always used to, when I was little, my grandma, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost to come upon you, the Holy... And I'm like, Holy Ghost? I don't, ghosts are scary. <laughs> I don't want to see no ghosts, you, you know. Jesus here is, you know, people have to worship not simply by external conformity to religious rituals and places. I've been in services. Uh, we used to... Uh, when I was a teenager, I went to a Methodist church, the church my parents go to now, and they used to have, it wasn't all that ritualized, but they had little songs they would sing after about everything, when they took up the offering. Everybody would sing the same song. Praise ye, da, 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 da. I don't even remember it now, but I'm a bad Methodist, so. Um, but it was a ritual thing. I mean, people would be sitting there having conversations, and they'd be, be kind of humming the song at the same time. You know, how you doing today? Da, 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 da. Just going through the ritual. God wants us to worship him not only outwardly, but inwardly, in spirit. It's a heart thing, with the, with the proper heart attitude. How many of you prepare yourselves for worship? Sometimes I have to remind myself, you know, we're going into church, but this is the house of God. Now, now it's just a building, I get that, but we're coming before the living God. Do you really believe that? Is he real? Is he here? When we were kids, Julie used to do this thing, they would have a service, they'd put an empty chair up on the stage or something, and, and that, that was God, he was... It kind of represented him being here. And so as you did think, you know, God was here with us. God wants us to worship him, not simply with the, the rituals, not just coming to church and, and doing that, but, but it's a hard thing. 
God, you're here. God, you're real. I can't sing worth a tune. I, I, can't, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but please let my worship accept it for what it is. Uh, it's all I've got. God values that. God loves that. Because you're worshiping in spirit. God also wants us to worship in a spirit of truth. Worship of God consistent with, I believe, the revealed scripture. Centered on, on Jesus. The word made flesh. The, the idea of God for salvation. He put that into motion. Created his son Jesus to be that living word. That living idea of of what it means to, to, to come back to God. An acknowledgement of that. I don't think you need a building to worship God. Um, God was worshipped, if you've read the Old Testament, they, they worshipped him in a tent. They built altars out in the middle of the wilderness, you know, stack up a bunch of rocks and you know, have a, you know, worship God there and uh, you know, later, and, and uh, they built a great temple for God. You know, people went to the temple. I, mean, I don't think the venue is really that important. Uh, the worship is. The worship is. I've not traveled as much as I'd like to travel, but as we go in and out of different cities and see different things, you've, I'm always kind of attracted to the churches. Oh, look at that church. There's another church. Look at that one. You know, sometimes you'll see these churches that are just unbelievable uh, the, the folks up the road there when I tell people we go to uh, the church of God North Hill, I mean, a lot of them think we're, I'm talking about the big church up the road there you've probably seen it you can't miss it it's, it's massive and God bless them if that's what they need to worship God if that's what they need to serve the people have at it okay God has blessed us with this little building and it serves his purpose in this community. I don't think the building matters so much, as much as the worship does. I'm sure there are little churches and great big mega churches where people come and they go and they're proud of that, but they don't worship God. God is not a fan of that. Jesus points out in John chapter 4 that God is spirit. God is somewhat mysterious. Yeah, I think God has physical attributes, his hands, and you know, we were built in the image of God, but I don't think God is, is obviously he's not mortal in the sense that you and I have a body and, and it'll wear out eventually. God is spirit. How could we as a people, we could never understand God unless he revealed himself to us, which is what God has done throughout history. You people could never know me unless I reveal myself to you. I'm going to let you, let you in a little bit on who I am. And I think it's through worship that we begin to, to you know, in spirit, kind of link up with God a little bit. I don't think there's any correct style of worship. I've, I've told you when I was a real little kid, we went to a not real regular, but my, my uncles, they were all Pentecostal preachers. And we went, and uh, I would sit there just mystified, almost scared to death sometimes at some of the, the things they would do. 
I look at them now and I kind of, I, I cherish them, but, you know, it's just, I say, you got to be saved, you got to, Jimmy's always wanting me to do the muh, muh, muh thing, all right? You got to be saved. You got to. You got to. You know, do the whole thing. And they keep going and they keep going. And you're just like, how's that? That guy's going to run out of breath. He's going to fall over. And I've seen people stand up and throw their hands up in the air. I've seen people speak in tongues. I've seen people dance around. Just dance around. We. You're like, what is going on here? Truth is, I think God loves all kinds of worship styles. Up here, you got a whole wide variety of stuff going on. I think God loves it all just the same. I don't think he values one over the other. As human beings, we have our preferences. You're not going to catch me running around, you know, hey, speaking in tongues and doing all that. But for other people, it's an honest expression of worship. You might hate the worship, but God, I think, loves it. There are some praise songs. I can't stand them. You play them on the radio, I'm just like, oh, here we go again. You take every U2 song, rip it off, and add Christian words to it, and that's about every praise song that's on the radio these days. You know, There are some I, I absolutely love, but even the ones that I hate, I think God's honored by those. Love those songs, even though I can't stand it, you know, some of them. I got a friend, he, he's old time, old school. If, if you're not bringing in the cheese, bringing in the cheese, you know, you're, uh, you're not worshiping God. Some of the kids look at me like, what's he talking about? What's a sheath? <laughs> I think I told you this when I was little, they were singing Amazing Grace, you know, who saved a wretch like me. And I looked at my grandma and I said, Grandma, what's a wretch? <laughs> I said, are you a wretch, Grandma? She's like, shut up and sing. You know, I'll never forget that. So. Worship is simply an homage. Or, you know, there are different types of worship, but a, a grateful submission to God. The most common word for worship literally means to, to bow down, to bend over. It's a, a gesture of respect or submission. Uh, we do it to people sometimes. You see people, you know, bow. When I was a kid, I loved uh, kung fu movies. Enter the dragon. Aww. They bow, and it's like, that's really cool, you know. I wish we could do that in, you know, in real life. But to bow, to bend over. I mean, these are things that, uh, these are gestures that, that come to be used for an attitude of, of worship. The book of Psalms contains many different expressions of worship, including lamentations, that's crying out to God. You ever prayed to God while you're crying? Lord, I just can't. That's a form of worship. I've heard some people say uh, there's more power in a prayer uh, of a dying soldier than all the hallelujahs in a, you know, in a chorus. A man crying out to God, God, what's happening to me? I'm dying. To call out to him in that moment is an expression of not only dependence, but an expression of worship. 
repentance, prayers for vindication. I'm not in the habit of that. Have you ever read some of David's psalms and some of the others? Holy cow. Dear Lord, basically, why don't you come down here and stick it to that guy? And I want you to mash him, and I want you to do... You know, I don't think we pray like that. I'm not in the habit of it anyways. Songs of thanksgiving, uh, songs of praise. All with an attitude of bowing down, of, of, of demonstrating honor, of uh, giving that to God. Worship is sometimes seen as service to other people. Another group of biblical terms often translate worship. Uh, literally, the word is used as the word to serve or service would be the word that we would use. The people of Israel were saved from slavery, okay, so that they could serve the Lord. I don't, I haven't looked at Exodus in a long time, so I'm going to blow the dust off here. Exodus chapter 3, I read this last night, or over the week I was thinking about it. This is, Moses hasn't yet gone down to Egypt. He's still running around with Jethro and you know, they're taking care of the flock and, and all that. And the burning bush shows up and Moses is like, whoa, <laughs> burning bush. And then the bush starts talking to him. And you can think he's probably like, Am I, I've lost it. <laughs> you know, this bush is talking to me. And it's on fire and it's not being burned up. And, and uh, Exodus chapter 3, um, starting at verse 10, this is the mission of Moses, this, this is God says, okay, now that I have your attention, this is what I want you to do. Therefore, come now, I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And for me, that's, that's, that was it. God was being a nice guy. He was like, I'm going to pull the people of Egypt out. They're my people. Bring them out of there, because that's what, that's what a Savior does. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, <clears throat> this is God, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. I am saving you out of your slavery. I am bringing you out of your captivity not just because I'm a nice guy. You're going to come out of slavery and you're going to go to the mountain to worship me. And then Moses and God argue a little bit more and, and, and God you know, convinces him you're going to go and the rest is the, the rest of the story. Charlton Heston goes there and he brings them out and they, they run off into the desert and let my people go, you know, the whole thing. So. But uh, God didn't just bring them out because he wanted to save them. I'm going to bring them out, and I want to bring them to the mountain where they will worship me. That's why he was so ticked off. If you think about it, later on, Moses go, they bring him to the mountain. Moses goes up to visit with God, and what did the people do? Well, Moses has been up there a while. I'll tell you what, make a god for us here. We'll, we'll make a golden calf, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll worship that. That might answer a little bit of why God was so angry. I brought these people out. They come to the mountain. They're supposed to worship me. 
Look at them down there. They're running around worshiping a, a golden cow. That's like worshiping a boy with a tail. I think a third group sometimes describes worship as a reverence or a respect for God. Words meaning fear, respect. Many times I've read passages in the Bible that talk about fear God. I'm like, what does that mean? To be scared of him? To be frightened? I mean, because I, I read stories of, you know, God is gentle and he wants, you know, like a, uh, like a hen sheltering the chicks. I like that version of God. The idea of fear him. The fear of the Lord. Like, what, is, what are we talking about here? Well, I think what we're talking about with fear is this idea of reverence. A respect for God. Sometimes I, I worry... And, and I've said, I've, I've been around, seen some different things. And again, God, I think, loves all kinds of worship. But I, I often wonder if, if sometimes we lose that reverence, that respect for God. I do think that the worship service should be something, a, a hint of, of reverence, of, of respect. The Bible talks about keeping His commands, obeying His voice, walking in His ways, turning from evil, serving Him. Sacrifice and other rituals express reverence for God. But faithfulness and obedience to God's uh, promises, you know, the demands of God, you know, something special. Every part of life to, to distinguish what's right and what's wrong. The New Testament in Romans talks about that humanity's failure to fear God and show Him proper respect brings about His wrath. Now, I may not fully understand what fear is, the fear of God, but I sure don't want to know what His wrath is. Romans chapter 1, Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. God made it plain as day for people to, to, to believe in him. And, and humanity's failure to believe in that, their failure to accept him as God. That leads to his wrath. The wrath of God will be revealed from heaven. Only, of course, by being redeemed with the blood of Christ can we be set free of that, you know, to be saved of, of God's wrath. I think about some of the crummy things I've done and sometimes still do. And I hope on that day I can stand before God. They could list a John, 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 and pull up a PowerPoint. Here we go, John. Remember when you did this? Oh, no. Remember when this happened? Yikes. <laughs> Is there anybody else watching? I don't want anybody else. To go, oh, that was a bad one. You know, hopefully at the end, God will, will he'll say, look, the evidence is overwhelming. You're a crud. We have this little thing called the lake of fire. You know, maybe we had a... But praise be to God, I believe, 
He'll look at me or I'll look at him and say, but there was Jesus. And it's His blood that covers every sin. God could go through a PowerPoint a million slides long and each time delete, 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 delete because of the blood of Christ. Because I accepted that as a replacement for me being thrown into the lake of fire. Instead, Jesus took that punishment for me. That's worthy of awe and respect as I think about God, to worship Him, to love Him. While unbelievers can't worship... I don't think God accepts the the worship of those who don't believe. I think there are people who you can go through the actions and and I've seen people make fun of Christians. Hey, praise the Lord, brother. You know, I don't think God's not impressed by that. But I do believe that unbelievers can watch believers in worship. Non-Christians, I don't think they can really worship, but they can see the kind of joy that worship brings us. One of the neat things about being up here, it's just like teaching a class. I get to look at your faces. I can see you sitting out there. there people sticking their tongues out at me now just to mess with me. Anyways, out there, you, you know, you're just me pretty much or the back of somebody's head. Here I can see all of your face. I can see when I mention something about the things of God, some of you, your faces will light up in that the idea of, of God excites you. As kids often do, when I was a little kid, I used to, used to make fun of hymns, the, the, the titles of the hymns. These are ridiculous. Or, or watch people in worship. Uh, when I used to go to Grandma's church, I, you know, people would raise their hands, and I'd go, here we go. <laughs> Look at that one. You know. uh, I, I went back, Reese showed me this video of this guy that... Uh, it's a Christian comedian talking about the different ways people raise their hands. and It was pretty funny. I, I can't remember all of them, but you know, you got some ladies like the window washers. I praise God. And then you got, you know, the Mufasa, Zedania, you know, and you got the everybody likes the football God Jesus thing, you know. Change the change the light bulb, you know. Uh, I forget what this one was. The I don't remember. Sometimes you get this and heartburn. heartburn. Got to do the heartburn. Do the heartburn. You know that gets them all going. So I used to think that was really silly until I read the Bible and I started to really look into this. I'm going to blaze through a set of scriptures here. There's no way you could possibly keep up with me, but if you ever need this list, I'll be glad to give it to you. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and dissension. Leviticus chapter 9, Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Exodus chapter 17, So it came about when Moses held his hands up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed, the bad guy. 1 Kings chapter 8, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel. Guess what he did? He raised his hands, spread them out to heaven. 
Nehemiah chapter 8, Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. When's the last time you fell to your knees and bowed before God in reverence? This is what these people did. Lamentations chapter 2, Arise, crow aloud in the night, at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to Him for the life of your little ones who are faint because of hunger at the end of every street. Lift up your hands. Lamentations again, chapter 3. We lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven. Ezra chapter 9. But at the evening offering... I arose from my humiliation, even with my garment and my robe torn. And I fell on my knees and stretched out my hands to the Lord. Revelation chapter 10. Then the angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, lifted up his right hand to heaven. I wish when I was a kid somebody would have told me, People worship God in a lot of ways. And some of these weird little things they do, they're actually pretty biblical, if you think about it. Well, it doesn't, I don't think, make them any holier than somebody else who stands with their head bowed. Worship is a powerful witness to unbelievers. If God's presence is felt and the message is understandable, sometimes I fear and worship the message gets, gets lost in the, the madness of the, of the service. I, uh, when I was real young and doing student teaching, I, my student mentor, real teacher, he was crazy. He was nuts. He, he taught here in Springfield. Sorry, Springfield people. Uh, but uh, he told me a story how, because when he found out that I was a Christian, Oh, he thought that was hilarious. He just would dig me on that all the time. But he said, you know, I have to admit, there was one time he had, he had got cancer. And he was having surgery. And a group of people who were friends of his wife, they came and visited him, and they prayed for him in the, in the hospital. And he said, you know, I don't believe in God, but I have to admit, there was something going on in that room. I felt something. I'm like, duh. It's called the power of God. You're in the presence of God. Remember, God makes it plain and as day for, for us to believe. But as the people of God worshipped around him, even this unbeliever sensed the presence of God. Their worship made God real to him. That's why I think when we worship and, and unbelievers see us, sometimes people will laugh, sometimes people won't understand. But through our worship, God is revealing himself to the world. God expects us to be sensitive to the fears, the hang-ups, the needs of unbelievers. I think when, when they're present in our worship service, we try to be sensitive to people. When you hear people talk about being sensitive to unbelievers, I don't think that's watering down the gospel. It's called being nice. <laughs> it's called love. Um, 
Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians, he, I'm just going to paraphrase it here real quick. Uh, he was talking about how, look, you know, everybody's talking about their rights as Christians, and you can do this and that, and, and, uh, and then he says, look at me. I mean, I go around, I bring the Word of God to you. If anybody has a, a right to, to be demanding, like, you know, uh, Physical things, you know, give me a house to stay in, some money, you know. If anybody ought to demand that, it ought to be somebody like me, but I'm not going to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? In other words, I'm giving you the gospel. The fact that they want to bring me over for dinner, I mean, don't get jealous about that. I, that's okay. If others share the right over you, do, do we not do more? Nevertheless, we didn't use that right. But we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. What, what he's talking about here is we'll put up with anything as long as it doesn't get in the way of the gospel. Let people worship. Let them serve God. We can put up with it. You can put up with it. And then finally, my last thought here as we're ready to wrap this up. Watch out for worshiping the worship. When I was a kid, I, I loved being in the worship band and stuff, and I would use, uh, yeah, I, I would uh, run around. I was this guy, you know. I said, lift your hands! <laughs> Praise the Lord! Why aren't these people praising the Lord down here? What's the, what's the man? And I'd want to run off and buy a shiny new guitar, and I would always use the, the, uh, the, the thing, well, this is for God. You know, I'm going to use it in church. Oh, please. You're just blowing money. You want a new guitar. It has nothing to do with, do with church. And I used to get Worship Leader magazine, and I'd read it, and, oh, yeah, we've got to do this. And, oh, we can't have any breaks in our service. Everything's got to be, the flow's got to be there. And it got to the point where, I mean, we would have, <laughs> have services, and it, I wouldn't have any fun at all. I wasn't worshiping God. I was just playing music. I, most of you weren't here for this, thank goodness, but there was one time when I was a kid, we had an Easter service. And I, man, instead of focusing and worshiping God, I was so worried about all this other stuff. I built this contraption of musical instruments up here. There must have been a cymbal here and a keyboard here and a thing over there. And Man, it was all about me. I want you to watch the show, everybody. And I got up here and I forgot to... Check the volume levels. So I hit, hit a chord, it goes, and I remember Sylvia about, about blew her three rows backwards. <laughs> and I was like, that did not go well at all. So I, I, st I sat up here playing, I didn't actually push any buttons, I was just pretending, like, doo -doo. we'll blame the sound guy, because uh, we'll say he didn't have it turned up or something. <laughs> and then I had this TV set up, I was going to do... Uh, Sunrise service. I was going to show this real dramatic clip from a, from a TV show. And it had worked the night before, and I put the thing in, and we're going to watch this and praise the Lord. Here we go. Nothing but static on the TV. 
I could not get that thing to work. It wouldn't turn on. Just like... And I'm like... It's almost as if God's probably sitting somewhere just laughing. Is crazy. You're an idiot, man. You should have just worshipped me instead. You're up here running around doing all this stuff. That's what you get. I never forget Don Black. I think he was trying to make me feel good. He came up to me. He goes, yeah, that was a really... That was a really interesting illustration you started off with. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, you, you know, how you had the TV going with just, just like. <laughs> and I'm like, he goes, yeah, it really made me think, you know. And Don was trying to find some meaning in it, and I'm, I just let it go. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad somebody got it, you know, and walked off. And... But I do think, you know, our God is a jealous God. Not in a bad sense, not as in like, you know, I'm jealous. But He desires our worship. He desires our worship of Him alone. He doesn't want to share His worship. Think about the people of, of, it, of the Hebrews. He brought them out of Egypt, took them to the mountain. What were they supposed to do? Worship Him. I haven't read the story in a while. You may have to help me. I've, what were the repercussions? Didn't they beat the thing down and he threw the tablets, busted them up? He made them eat it or made them drink it? And didn't the fire, they threw it in a fire and the bull come walking out of the fire and like, I don't remember that. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but it wasn't good. Put it that way. It wasn't good. God is a jealous God. He's jealous of our worship. And I think it's, it's through our worship to Him that we find that joy of the Lord that we talked about. It's through the joy of the Lord that we find our strength. And it's something that, as Christians, it's a privilege and an honor for us to do. So let's continue to worship God. If the worship team would come forward. As we sing this last song, and I'm not sure what song it is, Poor Jen and I never link up with what the message. We just, it's like a roll of the dice. What's our last song? Grace. Oh, okay. Hey. We'll get them in, involved. And... So think about that as we sing this song. Worship God with a spirit of awe and reverence, of respect, of thankfulness, of joy. Our God is a good God. Let's sing.